What is up, fellow thermonuclear AFers? I am Dan Valley coming at you with the podcast I said I wasn't going to record. Uh, the Donovan Mitchell trade, uh, all sorts of screwed me up with my schedule, so I wasn't going to put a podcast out on this Friday. Uh, and then I realized I wasn't going to put one out on Labor Day either because I have so much stuff going on. So I figured, why the hell not? Uh, I need to fit in two more meals. It's about 2 a.m. Eastern time, and I've been very behind on my meals. Anyone who knows, like, I'm really into trying to... I call myself like a faux fitness enthusiast or bodybuilding enthusiast. So I have two more meals to eat, which means I'm going to be up for a little while longer. Why not go through the ESPN executive report? We had no name for God in Discord. Asked that as one of his mailbag questions. Uh, also, shout out to, I can't remember who it was, asked, uh, specifically wanted to know about, unbiased Pistons fan, I wanted to hear about. Apparently, an executive picked the Wizards as having the best offseason. Uh, I've not gone through this yet. Like I said, I haven't had a chance. So we'll go through it now, pulling from some of these mailbag questions. I'll try and put a mailbag out early next week, especially because uh, we're going to get into team lookaheads very soon. And so that will limit my mailbag bandwidth, especially with my traveling coming up. And I have sort of a huge project I'll be releasing um, over the course of like a week and a half to two weeks or whatever. So that's enough rambling there. If this is your first time on the channel, please remember to hit that subscribe button on YouTube and from your podcast player. Both really helps us out a ton. Bring us up on those charts. Join our Discord, which is where these mailbag questions are coming from. Uh, that link is in the YouTube and the podcast description. Follow the socials. Those are in the YouTube and podcast descriptions as well. And we're off. So the NBA offseason survey, what are coaches, scouts, and execs, what are they watching ahead of 22-23 this season? It's done by ESPN. Tim Bontemps does this every year, and it's, it's always fun to see these answers. So first up, who is the best player in the NBA right now? He polled 15 people. So Giannis got 11 votes. Steph got three votes. LeBron got one vote. I have zero qualms about the results. Giannis is the overwhelming best player in the league for me right now. I think Steph actually does have the second best case, to be honest with you. Um, LeBron should certainly be up there. Uh, not seeing Jokic or maybe even Doncic here is a little bit surprising, like not, them not even getting a vote. But the fact that Giannis got so much, the distribution could have gone all over the place there. Uh, so I agree with the first place vote. I don't have a problem with the top three. It is just bizarre. You have Jokic winning two MVPs to not sort of be in it. I think a lot of people will be like, whoa, where's Kevin Durant here? Like we've gone through now three years um, where he's had some health stuff going on. That's not a knock against him, but durability is part of this equation. And also uh, he's coming off a bad playoff series against the Celtics by his standards. And so does recency bias factor in here at all? But this no qualms here. Who will be the best player in the NBA in five years? Holy shit. Giannis wins again with seven votes. Luka Doncic comes in second place with six votes. And Jason Tatum is in third place with two votes. Uh, can Jason Tatum be the best player in the NBA at some point? That's, that's interesting. I'm impressed that Giannis won. Uh, in five years, he will be going into, let's say, his age 32 season. I'm very curious to see how his game age. The dude is a workaholic, a fantastic defender, and I think he has... This isn't like Russell Westbrook or Derrick Rose where he sort of lacks um, other ways to make an impact if you see his athleticism, Wayne, and uh, Russell Westbrook specifically there. But being a bigger player, as strong as he is, the burden he carries on both ends, that might be a tough task. Uh, but... Do we put it past him? Like, could this be the next just sort of, oh, fuck you, father time, like with LeBron Jid? And age, age 32 is not super old. So I don't want to say I disagree with I, I think I disagree with this answer. I just feel like Doncic is a good one. Um, I might even look, and maybe this is projecting too far forward, but like uh, 
Cade Cunningham, for one, would be someone who sneaks up on here. Could Evan Mobley or Scotty Barnes be part of that conversation? I wouldn't consider rookies for this. Some people might say that it should be Paolo Bancaro. I, I can't get there with that. Um, but I feel like I would probably lean toward either Luka Doncic or Cade Cunningham at that point. If I, if I wanted to take a risk, I get why it's Giannis. There's, of course, just like a smattering of other names that you could probably go with. And Jason Tatum is still only 19 years old. He's in year like five of about to be being 19 years old. So he really would have to make a leap as a passer for me, I think, to be in this conversation. Uh phew. I don't have a problem. I want to make it clear. I don't have a problem with Giannis being the answer. Age 32 is not ancient, so it's certainly possible. I, I'd be more inclined to go with Cade Cunningham. Probably might be my pick because I would want to roll the dice here, I think, but it could certainly be Luka just because he's so young and his game isn't really pride on any sort of explosion. He's actually made a living so far of like working his way into shape during the regular season. I don't think this will happen this year um, since he's playing so much of the offseason. Who will be the MVP? this season Giannis got five votes in the first spot again Doncic and Embiid are tied for second with four votes Curry and Morant came in tied for uh, I guess that make this fourth place with one vote uh Jokic isn't on here that makes sense voter fatigue and people are just up in arms oh were the Nuggets even actually good was he the MVP there's gonna be voter fatigue fair fair or not I don't, I don't think it's fair to view it that way I don't know that I would pick him anyway uh I this is a tough order to to parse because I think you have to look at it as Doncic has like one of the best anecdotal cases because they lose the Mavs lose Jalen Brunson and if they're still good like that's all that credit is going to go to Luka Giannis of course is just always going to be in it I had him at number two on my ballot this year um Embiid consecutive runner-ups in the MVP voting so that's a fair choice even Steph just coming onto the scene Morant if you have that star bump to where he's like the solo superstar I think that always helps you I think James Harden is a sneaky good MVP pick here. Would I put him in my top? You know, these are five names. Uh, I don't know. Like, am I, I've, on a record, I'm more intrigued by Harden's MVP case leading into this season than Embiid's because I feel like if the Sixers reach their peak, it is because James Harden was closer to, not, let's say, peak James Harden, but the James Harden he was during that first season with the, the Brooklyn Nets before he got injured. I also think, and this is going to be wild, and it might be harder now because the East is so much deeper uh, following the Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland trade. Could Pascal Siakam get in on this? I think a lot of people, you're going to be relying upon Scotty Barnes making a leap and maybe even OG Ananobi at this point if you want to keep pace with the arms race in the East. The Raptors are, of course, really good, but if they want to make that step to contender, you're going to probably see the... Um, the most improvement because of just how well polished Pascal Siakam's game already is, how established he is. Uh, you need to probably see the most improvement, I think, from Scotty Barnes specifically, but OG Ananobi, I still think, has just different levels of his offensive game specifically to explore. But I could see, and maybe the Raptors are too just like success by committee, if that makes any sense, but I could see Pascal Siakam being an interesting outside choice here. Uh, would I put him in my top five, though? That's... Mm, I wouldn't put LeBron here. Just it's not even about defying time. I don't. I don't think the Lakers are going to be good enough. Could someone from the Clippers really get involved here? Like a Kawhi would be the. It could be Paul George, but if Kawhi stays healthy, is he someone that could still sort of make a run here? Uh, Jason Tatum, I feel like should probably be an honorable mention here as well. Just the Celtics, if they're going to be you know finish near the top of the East again, and he's that good, uh, unless people are sort of still penalizing him for some of his tougher moments in the finals. Um, like, I don't, I don't know why there'd be voter fatigue there anyway. So he could be another good pick. 
Um, there are a lot of just different options here. This league just has so much talent. And I think, not that the floodgates have opened because someone like Jokic wins when the Nuggets aren't great, but I do think we've opened up the conversation to where we're looking at players and saying, well, it doesn't just have to be the best player from the best team. And and the conversation with Jokic specifically, like him winning that when there was so much opposition to it, where Russ just felt more, and I don't even remember the results. And I think Jokic won a landslide this year, um, or maybe he didn't. I don't even remember the results. But um, and B was a worthy choice. You had three worthy choices to me. Russ felt like he was going to get the clear MVP that year. Should it go to Kawhi if we go back and revisit it? It feels like maybe there was a shift in perception with Jokic where it either won't happen again or we're more open to it in general, and there's just no in-between. So that could really lay the groundwork for a lot of different other candidates. And I think, look, fans of teams will make a case for their guy. The, the Heat fans will say, like, oh, Jimmy Butler belongs in here, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to push that back either. Uh, we already mentioned, like, Doncic being in the top two makes sense because he can get that anecdotal... Uh, that anecdotal boost or is there just like that surprise team that really just explodes where it's if the Minnesota Timberwolves are second in the West do we somehow see Carlton Towns or even Rudy Gobert slingshot up there if the Pelicans are all of a sudden quasi contenders in the West is like Zion Williamson in this discussion and I'm naming players that I think you know Brandon is great I don't know if he has like the MVP peak someone like a Zion Williamson or a Maybe a Carlton Towns Rudy Gobert might be a stretch and if he Edwards just isn't going to be ready yet I mean he would have to go like like, he would have to be Luka Doncic, um, but with better defense. Like, he wouldn't be the same passer. I mean, like, so just someone from the Timberwolves then. One of their three stars. Like, could they feasibly work their way into this? I, I, I don't know. So this feels like it's just another – the MVP races have been very interesting in a few of the recent years, including this past one where it felt like there was three deserving candidates. And if you throw just a full season of good health from – Steph Curry, John Morant, and Luka Doncic into the fold, plus Jason Tatum, things could get super messy. And I would say my dark horse, I guess there's two, because you look at their odds, but Pascal Siakam and James Harden are names that I would keep an eye on in this. Who will be the best rookie in five years? Paolo Bancaro and Chet Holmgren are tied for first with six votes. I'm wondering if that, these. well, I'm not wondering. This was definitely done before Holmgren's uh, injury. And then Jay Ivey was third with two votes, and Keegan Murray uh, fourth with one vote. I'm very surprised Jabari Smith Jr. isn't on here. Uh, I mean, I, if you're worried about how his offense is going to develop and is he only going to be a play finisher, okay, I can see that. But this might be someone who's, not, I don't want to say generational, but could be a transcendent defender, a really high impact. I'd throw him in over Keegan Murray here, but shout out to the Kings that Keegan Murray is just there. Palabin Carroll's the right answer for me. I need to know, I'm not too worried about Chet Holmgren's injury moving forward. Uh, John Hollinger had talked about this on his podcast, and I agree. This isn't like, people weren't worried about his body just, you know, snapping in half. They were worried about whether he would get strong enough to hold up to play center or even, I guess, some four. That's not the injury he had. Like, I guess you could be more concerned. Like, is this going to be a, 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 a long line of foot injuries just given his size and how, you know, there are, studies that show players who are going to be like over seven feet get injured more often so i'm okay putting chet holmgren here i'm just curious whether his he's ever going to be used offensively especially over the next half decade in a way that would slingshot him up this discussion i think jabari smith jr has a better chance of having the usage or role type that would get him there palo bancaro is the clear answer to me i think this is someone who regardless of the team he's on if you're building your squad around palo bancaro he ends up he feasibly could end up being your best passer your best scorer and then your best shooter. Just look at like your so and other things in between as well. 
Um, he's someone who feels like he could be a generational offensive talent without being, by the way, a complete defensive liability. And so I would go with him here too. It's so tough to pick this response without seeing them play any NBA games. So which team will Kevin Rant be on the day after the trade deadline? This is fun. The Nets are the overwhelming favorite with 13 votes. And then the Suns and the Celtics each got one vote. I'm just upset that no one picked the Pelicans or the Raptors here. Uh, I am waiting for things to go wrong in Brooklyn. When I'm talking about the top teams in the East or the title contenders, I'm just convinced something's going to bust up there. Whether it's a trade demand from Kyrie or KD midseason, if things go wrong, maybe Ben Simmons isn't healthy or Kyrie isn't healthy or Kevin Durant isn't healthy. Maybe Ben Simmons isn't playing well in his return from injury. Maybe the defense just isn't good enough, even though they have some talent there now looking at Nick's, uh, Nick Claxton and if Ben Simmons is fully healthy, of course. So... I get it. That The safe response is the Nets. They've agreed to continue their partnership together, and maybe it's easier to revisit this uh, over the summer if Kyrie Irving's leaving or you know what's happening with his free agency uh, when you know what Ben Simmons is and you know what Kevin Durant is. Did he stay healthy this year? The Nets could make more of an informed decision on their direction. If I had to pick a team that wasn't the Nets... I still might go the Suns. Like, let's just wait until DeAndre Ayton's trade eligible in January. He can veto a trade, but let's let's assume he's going to go to a third team that's not the Nets that plans to use him in a more prominent capacity on offense. Um, I would assume he wouldn't veto it. I would probably pick the Suns, and then if not, I would just say, I'm going to say fuck it and go with the Raptors or Pelicans. I just want to go offbeat there for some reason. because Maybe the Knicks get desperate at that point, too. Do the Knicks all of a sudden enter the fold after missing out on Mitchell? Uh, I just, the Celtics would have to, I think, be having a really rough go of it, which I guess is possible to make that type of move mid-season. It's different over the off-season dangling Jalen Brown um, that, compared in the middle of the season. That's an entirely different beast, and they just might be so successful during the regular season with their added depth. I mean, never, the, 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 the Danilo Gallinari injury is definitely a concern. Not major, he should come back, and you still added Malcolm Brogdon, which is just a huge depth piece. Uh, this offseason so I wonder if they would be too good so as they wouldn't want to mess with their chemistry and even if the Suns let's just say they're the best team and during the regular season again it's kind of been there done that where they saw that these past looking at the finals run with Milwaukee and then what happened with Dallas that there's still sort of a significant player short it feels like of being a not title contender i think there's an outcome where they could win the championship with this core but if they want to get that edge and be mentioned maybe in the same breath as a couple of other teams uh that they would be more emboldened to make a move like that even if things are going well for them so i'm gonna say suns as if it's not the nets or if it's not the suns or the nets i'm just i'm going the screw it route with pelicans or raptors because that's what i would want to see which team will donovan mitchell be on after the trade deadline i'm gonna think it's the cleveland cavaliers how about that this came out beforehand but the knicks got 14 votes versus the jazz getting one vote uh i will say just the one note that's quick on this if you're the jazz i we still haven't hammered down what the knicks best package was for this but i do think if you're utah part of the appeal of this trade has to be you not thinking donovan mitchell is going to be there long term and you're looking at you have cleveland's 25 27 and 29 picks you're probably looking plus swaps in 26 and 28 i think specifically you're looking at 27 and 29 plus the 28 swap as oh will he still be there past his next contract he seems very excited about playing in cleveland i'm just i probably would have rather if you think donovan mitchell staying in cleveland if things being equal donovan mitchell staying in new york versus donovan mitchell staying in cleveland i would have still preferred to work out a way to short the knicks's draft given how much less talent equity they would have around Donovan Mitchell moving forward versus the Cavs, who might be instant contenders, but certainly seem on that track if Evan Mobley and Garland continue developing. They have 
Donovan Mitchell's 25 as of now. He's about to turn 26. Jared Allen's 24. Mobley's 21. Darius Garland is 22. I mean, holy shit. And Isaac Okoro is still on this team. Kevin Love is still on this team. What if Jetty Osmond continues to shoot the ball well? They have just some interesting depth pieces in Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade. Uh, I don't really... Some people have speculated whether they could those two guys could give them consistent wing minutes since they're still sort of a hole in that three spot. I have my doubts about that specifically. Uh, but Ricky Rubio's there too. And they're not necessarily out of trade assets uh, if you... I'm not saying include a 24 swap, like that means anything. But you still have Jared... If you think Mobley can be your five, you still sort of have Jared Allen here if you were trying to really get a wing. But I think having the two smaller guards, and even Karis LeVert there as well, does he turn into a trade asset for them? Uh, they're not going to move him this season either way. But if you're the Jazz, I would think part of the calculus is, unless you were really just done with the Knicks or they their, their actual offer was too low, um, I would have tried to figure out a way to get their draft picks unless you are really not confident in Donovan Mitchell staying in Cleveland long-term. I don't know if that's the right call. He seems pretty stoked to be there. Great move. I think it was a great move by the Cavs. Or we could say it's a win-win right now. I would say we need to see. We obviously need to see this play out, but it was a defensible trade for both sides. If you didn't check out our full podcast on it, which you should. It's on our YouTube and podcast players everywhere. Which team had the best offseason? The Celtics finished first with six votes. The Sixers finished second with two and the jazz finished second with two i wonder how that would change uh with the jazz what they got for donovan mitchell i would imagine that it would probably go up atlanta the clippers the knicks the kings and the wizards all got one vote and apparently it was a western conference exec who gave the wizards one vote no the wizards had i like like i'm fine with what they did johnny davis at the draft i'm fine with the other moves they made uh getting monte morris signing DeLon Wright. The Bradley Beal contract was just, I get you had to keep him. I get it was going to be a super max. I also get it was going to be five years. The player option, and then the no trade clause, plus the trade kicker. Come on. It was just, it was malpractice, and they should have been more creative, or at least more proactive, and not so reactive. They don't deserve a vote here. I think it's interesting that the Kings got one. Uh, the Clippers didn't make any like real major moves. Like Lucky into John Wall, I understand why he's there. I want to know why anyone voted for the Knicks at this point. Like Is Jalen Brunson and Isaiah Hartenstein that great? Do you really love the trade for Ujman Jang and those conditional draft picks? Or trading what became Ujman Jang for those conditional draft picks? I mean, maybe. Uh, that, it's just surprising they got a vote without Donovan Mitchell. I think I would go between the Celtics, the Sixers, the Jazz belong here now for pivoting into a rebuild. Uh, and then, like, the Cavs. Like, they didn't really do any... They have Ricky Rubio and Howell Neto on this team now, but you make this trade for Donovan Mitchell and you all of a sudden vault up the the East. I really do like what the Sixers did, though, uh, as well as the Celtics, and I love what the Jazz did, and then there's the, the Cavs. Those are probably my four favorite off-seasons. Um, I also do like what Minnesota did, by the way. They would have to be in there. If I just had to pick a team, I might go... Uh, I'm reticent to pick the Jazz because I don't know that we should... Like, I'm rooting for a team to tear it down there. Um, but the fact that they sort of chose a direction after it was clear that their previous core was really stale, that fucking matters. Uh, is it the Jazz? Just all that... Like, they have a starting point. Even if they don't have a lot of material rebuilding Polestar options now, and I would say they, they have none, unless you think it's Colin Sexton or Larry Markin or Walker Kessler or um, Ochi Akbaji. No, I don't think it's either of those guys, which is why I probably wouldn't choose the Jazz. Those All those picks are just conceptual value now, but they're up there. They're in the top five off-seasons for me. I'm probably going between the Sixers or the Cavs. That's how in love I am with this trade. Uh, I like... 
I, I love what Minnesota did, and I've talked about that as well. There's just a level of it's more experimental than what the Cavs are doing, and they have a clearer path, I think, to coming out of the East than um, Minnesota at this point. Uh, but look, the Sixers, the Celtics, the Jazz, and the Cavs, all in my top five off seasons. If I had to pick another team, I'd probably go with, I'm trying to think here. Is it the Clippers? Like, I gave them an A for their offseason. Uh, yeah, I'll go, like, just the extension for Zubots, getting getting John Wall, keeping Amir Coffey and, and Nick Batum. Uh, those might be my five favorite offseasons, but certainly the higher-profile ones are Boston, Philly, Utah, uh, and and Cleveland. Like, that's that's where then. I think I'm going with Cleveland as my favorite offseason at this point. How fucking weird is that? Is this recency bias kicking in? Whew, I don't know. Next next category, which team had the worst offseason? The Mavericks win, I'm using air quotes on the camera, win this category with six votes. The Hornets come in second with three votes. The Nets got two votes. And then the Nuggets, Lakers, Timberwolves, and Trailblazers all got one vote. I didn't mention the Nuggets in my favorite offseason. They extended Nikola Jokic. Um, I love the Bruce Brown signing. I like the KCP acquisition. Um, I didn't love like the dumping the distant first round pick as part of the Jermichael Green trade, even though you ended up with number thirty in this year's draft. I, I get it. Uh, I don't know if they deserve to be in the best. They might have had one of my favorite moves of the offseason in Bruce Brown, um, but they could be up there. I don't think they had the worst offseason by any stretch. But that justification is weird. Uh, you have to for the Timberwolves to be there. You have to just hate. The Rudy Gobert trade, which I guess I understand. If you're really against the Towns-Gobert pairing and and sort of mortgaging your future for that, I don't agree, but I understand why you would pick them. The Blazers are interesting. They got, like, not that they lucked into Shaden Sharp, but a lot of people think he has the chance to be the best player in the draft. When you're talking about the best rookies in five years, does he belong in there? Um, I guess you have to be mad at the Simons contract four and a hundred. I just don't, I don't care about that with the cap going up and he was really good. Like this is someone who has proven to be an off the dribble shot maker time and again, that's puzzling. I think that's, uh, is it a team that wanted to trade for Dame maybe, but, uh, I would say they don't really belong. I, I don't understand it. They didn't make like, do you hate the GP two deal? That's only three years that much keeping Josh Hart. I, the Jeremy Grant trade that they didn't really give up anything of real value for. And unless you think the bucks are going to suck in 25, I don't understand the blazers or the nuggets getting a vote. I understand the Lakers getting one vote. Uh, the Hornets just, I don't want to get into the miles bridges stuff. Just the, the allegations and the evidence that is out there is it's an atrocity. And, if that's how you're weighting it, but they also, that's just bigger than basketball. And I don't want to have to apply it to this. I'm not saying they don't deserve votes. They've done a whole bunch of nothing else this off season. I like keeping Cody Martin though for them. So I, I totally understand. Uh, I don't like viewing the miles bridges stuff through that terms. And even if you, but if you remove what he did and is accused of doing from the equation, they've still had like a pretty uninspiring off season. Uh, their, their mode of operations on draft night was weird too. And I think it's fair with the Mavs, uh, knowing that they had a chance twice to extend Jalen Brunson for like basically half of what he ended up getting from the Knicks. Uh, and then you reach a point where you couldn't even like, you apparently weren't even able to counter, but your best offer wasn't going to come close to touching what the Knicks gave him either. So I think they're probably the right answer. The Lakers is tough. Like they didn't have a great off season, but you extended LeBron not moving Westbrook is a failure, but you added Beverly without like this, huge appreciable cost unless you were really high on talent horton tucker moving forward um you kind of cleaned off money in that trade by the way because tucker had a player option for 23 24 uh mavericks or hornets does feel like the right answer i would lean towards 
I just don't know what the Hornets' path forward is anymore. Uh, so I might lean towards them, but am I skewed for the Mavericks just by the fact that they have Luka Doncic and I'm putting so much pressure on him? Like that might be they're getting too much of just this bump from me because Luka Doncic exists, exists which really isn't like, I, th- that shouldn't be looked at through that lens. I'm trying to think if there's like another sneaky team we should be talking about here for that. Brooklyn didn't have a bad offseason, by the way. I guess you could throw them in here, but like Kevin Durant and Kyrie are still there. And if you're healthy, you're, you're a contender. Chicago's offseason was just like a little blah. It not, I don't, it definitely didn't hurt. I mean, the Drummond Dragic signings are fine and getting to keep Zach Levine, that's good. I'm just like, what is the other team? Unless you think that like Indy should have traded Buddy Heald and Miles Turner already, or if you're mad that Memphis. Memphis is a sneaky good pick here, I'm not going to lie. You bring back Tyus Jones, like Kyle Anderson, walk, and now you're just really trusting in Jake LaRavia and David Roddy, really investing in your youth again. I would listen to cases for Memphis, or, spoiler alert, I'd, I'd, <laughs> I'd, I'd argue a case for Memphis, even though they're not my ultimate pick. Uh, the Knicks missing out on Mitchell, again, I don't know if they were lucky or smart, but ultimately, Mitchell didn't elevate them to a contender or a clear path to a contender. They wouldn't have had trade assets over to acquire someone else, uh, which is why it's so important to get a star via the draft or two first via the draft, like we saw with the Cavs or opportunistic if you considered Jared Allen uh, a star, like good value via trade. So you need that one star already in place. I don't think they would have had the assets if they matched Cleveland's offer to go get another star via the trade market for at least two or three years until some of those draft picks reset and they can move distant picks in the 2030s. Um, you would have to hope that for, there's a free agency renaissance coming, which I guess there could be. I just, I don't think they've had the worst offseason. Is it uninspiring or puzzling at points? Sure. Uh, the Wizards would probably deserve a case here too. They certainly, they deserve a case for the worst offseason just because of that Beal contract more than they do the best offseason. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you that right now. Moving to the end here, what was the most surprising move of the offseason? Darius going to the Cavs took me by surprise. Minnesota, we at least knew, and this was done before uh, the Donovan Mitchell trade. Let's make that clear. But that is that is the answer. That's just, that's the answer. Uh, Rudy Gobert to Minnesota, like, I guess the, the, the sticker shock, I understand. But the destination was just, given that Minnesota had sort of been entertaining, like, Christian Wood trades and Miles Turner interest, they've been tangentially or prominently linked to bigs already uh the second most sure uh, james harden that so that was first place 10 votes rudy gobert of minnesota and then receiving one vote james harden taking a pay cut Dejounte murray to atlanta russ still being a laker malcolm brogdon to the celtics no huge moves among the elite contenders was one vote but like does Malcolm brought like how much bigger do you want like is it just Kevin Durant not going to the Suns type of deal the contenders are normally so inflexible but the most surprising move to me was Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland it felt fate complete he was eventually going to go to the Knicks even if it dragged into the regular season uh and could you also argue like was it surprising the Jazz chose to trade Donovan Mitchell with three years left on his deal at all on their own accord this wasn't Donovan Mitchell forcing his hand I think most people around the league expected uh, that Donovan Mitchell would either request a trade to force the Jazz's hand, and even then you probably assumed it was coming not this summer, but next summer with two years left before he could hit free agency, or maybe that trade request just came this offseason from him, um, or even more just likely the Jazz, if you didn't think Donovan Mitchell made the decision, would wait another year, even if they traded Rudy Gobert, especially with the All-Star game in Utah. Um, 
I applaud them for making the move anyway, but you, I think you can make the case for that. Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland, though, which low-key might be my favorite, like, just move of the offseason now. Uh, it's that or Bruce Brown to Denver, if I want to get really nerdy. Utah Watanabe to Brooklyn is one of my favorite ones as well. Uh, it's But the answer now to me is Darius going to the Cavs. That, I was in the grocery store when it happened, and... I had been waiting for a Donovan Mitchell trade. I'm getting ready to travel at this point. I was hoping it wasn't. I'm going to bring all my equipment with me. Uh, and I understand hashtag the grind never stop, stops or whatever bullshit way you want to phrase it. I was really hoping it would happen before I left for vacation. But it was just one of those things where when it happened, I assumed it would be the Knicks. And it wasn't. That really just caught me by by surprise more than anything this summer. 10, who wins the East Finals, West Finals, and NBA Finals? So let's begin with the East. The Bucks and Celtics were tied for first with seven votes. Miami got one vote. Uh, I think I have Philly over Miami at this point, and I wonder if Cleveland would have gotten any votes here now. Um, but I don't have a pro- I think it's Bucks or Celtics are probably closer to the teams that are in a tier of their own with the Sixers, Raptors, Heat, and Cavaliers now having the best chance to crack that. I don't think the Hawks or the Bulls are just on that level. So my pick is going to be, I'm just going to go with the Bucks here reluctantly. It's the Bucks or the Celtics for me right now. Uh, and the Cavs and Raptors are quote-unquote my favorite dark horses. For the West champs, the Clippers got eight votes. The Phoenix Suns and Warriors got three votes. The Nuggets got one. Give the Nuggets some more love here. I understand all of this. As of right now, I might pick the Nuggets to come out of the West, it'd be it's between Nuggets or Clippers for me, full disclosure. I need to see the Suns make, it doesn't have to be a major move, but like an accessory move at least, where you can point to maybe just a real upgrade at the four spot, or in terms of getting another shot creator that isn't campaign or trusting that Mikhail Bridges is going to be that guy. It's not outside the realm of possibility, and I understand, I saw some people were pissed that people picked the, Sun, the Suns here, uh, the fact that they're tied with the Warriors maybe is a little bit surprising, but the Suns just won like fucking 70 million regular season games. So I don't have an issue with them being there. My pick would be the Nuggets or Clippers, though. I'm leaning towards the Nuggets right now, full disclosure, and that hasn't changed for me in the West. The Clippers, I really just can't quit them, and I'm just sort of waiting for like the, the Suns to do something on the, not the margins, but like improving who is either like the fourth best player or the third best player on your team. Are you going to get someone better than Aiton or Bridges though? Just like, you know, someone, if they acquire someone who's going to be a part of their closing lineup, it just changes the entire way I might look at them. Uh, NBA champs, the Clippers are in first with five votes. The Bucks and Celtics are in second with four. The Warriors are in third with two. Uh, I would have the Nuggets higher, clearly. Uh, for the top one, I mean, these are all the top teams I think I would consider Clippers, Bucks, Celtics, Warriors, with I would have the Nuggets in the same tier as those teams, though. And so, like, when I'm breaking that down, if I'm trying to talk about my Tier 1 championship contenders, I have the Clippers, I have the Bucks, I have the Celtics, I have the Warriors, and I have the Nuggets. Those are my Tier 1 contenders. Uh, Tier 2, I have the Sixers, I would have the... The Mavericks are not in there. I would have the Suns in there still. I would have the Heat in there. I'm like, do the Cavs or the Raptors have the potential to get in there? Um, I would think about like my dark. So let's go about this one. My dark horse championship picks now. Just teams that even you know are going to be in the playoff mix, but you wouldn't expect to win it. I'm just endlessly fascinated by the the Pelicans, the Timberwolves, the Cavs, and the Raptors now. And if I had to boil that down further, let me pick a team per conference. I'm going Pelicans and Cavs 
Oh my God, more than the Raptors. I still think the Raptors need a shot, another shot creator, despite what Raptors YouTube commenters tell me. There's just, I don't trust their half-court offense when you look at how dependent they are at second-chance opportunities to be efficient there. If you think Scotty Barnes is going to really just jump his processing speed up to uh, the up-team's power, uh, that's not a slight on the IC. Oh, what about the Heat? Or I, I'm They're not a dark horse to me. Same with Philly. I'm talking dark horses. Uh, I'm just gonna pick the Pelicans are my favorite one in the West. I just if if Zion is healthy, I'm just I'm just saying there's like real depth there too, and then I'm gonna go Cavs in the East. Maybe this is recency bias there kicking in for me. Um, this and the Nets are not a dark horse. I guess some people I'll put them in tier two out of respect, but they're just so 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 combustible. This was great. Let me know what you think of these results. Let me know what you disagree about. Please remember to subscribe on YouTube and on Apple and Spotify and wherever you get your podcasts. As many places as possible that you can subscribe. It helps us out a ton. It really helps out the YouTube channel that we're trying to grow right now. Hit the subscribe button, like, and comment on all our posts to help us bust up the algorithm. Uh, Also, please Join our Discord. The link to that is in the YouTube and podcast descriptions. And if you're doing all those things, if you follow us across Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, all that, tell people about us. Recommend us to people who you know are on YouTube or really looking for basketball or sports podcasts in general. Uh, I think I do a pretty good job around here. It's thoroughly unserious. Have a lot of fun. Uh, Me and Grant work our asses off. Uh, It's fun times to be covering the league. And we've, look, Grant and I, and frankly, me specifically, we've, we've, tried really hard to put out a ton of content during the dog days of summer to keep you all engaged you showed up i appreciate it let's keep the community growing until next time and as always i give a shout out to the one the only the legendary the real mvp who should have received votes for most likely to win mvp this year and to be the best nba player in five years frank nilakina